You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla Denanyo, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by Attorneyed. Attorneyed connects law firms and law students through assignment-based virtual internships. Their online platform allows you to utilize and vet talent, and they only work with top pre-vetted candidates. You can create an account today at www.attorneyed.com. A-T-T-O-R-N-N-E-E-D.com. In episode 18, I am speaking with a service advocate and lawyer. This guest delivers justice to victims in Harris County. Based in Houston, Texas, today's guest is Brianna Herman. So welcome to the podcast, Brianna. Thank you for having me. Of course. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am passionate about service and advocacy. So by profession, I am an assistant district attorney for Harris County, which is the third largest county in our country. So I get tasked the unique job of having justice as my only client. Mm -hmm. So I get to service my community by treating defendants and victims with the dignity and respect they deserve. And third largest, that would be probably behind New York City and L.A.? I think LA is the number one okay. uh, most populous county. So. Okay, cool. And for the law students who listen to the podcast, would you explain exactly what a district attorney does and what it means to have justice as your client? Sure. So this question comes up a lot now dealing with the political climate that we're in, right? So you have the deaths of Breonna Taylor and countless others in which our community is asking for the justice in these cases. And a lot of times the person tasked with delivering justice is the district attorney. Mm -hmm. The district attorney is typically an elected or appointed position in a county. And under that district attorney, there are a number of assistant district attorneys. And essentially we are prosecutors. We are tasked with delivering justice to a community whether that is through dismissals, pretrial diversion programs, or convictions. And so as a prosecutor, you would be bringing a case against the person on behalf of the state or on behalf of Harris County? So yes, both. So I work for the Harris County District Attorney, but I am an attorney for the state of Texas, essentially. All right. So I saw that you were a district attorney in Travis County. It looked like that was while you were in school, maybe internship. I was not an actual attorney. I interned there when I was in law school. So yeah, I was a clerk for the Travis County DA's office for almost two years, actually. Okay. And then what made you go back to Harris County and Houston? Well, Houston is home for me. So I went to college in Nashville, Tennessee at Fisk University, a historically Black college. And I spent four years down there and I loved Nashville. Uh, but I got an opportunity to attend the University of Texas in Austin. So I spent three years in Austin. So it was seven years in total um, away from Houston. I left Houston when I was 17 to go to college. And I just recognized that it was time to connect with not only Houston as a city, but the people that I grew to love in Houston. You know, Mm -hmm. my family, my friends, people that I just came to know as part of my community. It was time to come back and ultimately serve there. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, missing home. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I was seeing that you were initially interested in corporate America, big office expense accounts, all of that. Yeah. And you even interned at a law firm. Why did you decide, I don't want to stay in an office, I want to do government work and work for the state? 
So there was not a spark for me. Find your spark. If you're taking a course, it's not sparking, find something else. If you're in a career, you don't have that spark, you can do something else, but find your spark and make sure you follow it. Absolutely. Other than every two weeks when I would get a very nice paycheck, (laughs) um, there was no spark. There was no community interaction. And so I just had, you know, a come to Jesus moment with myself and realized that I had a whole bunch of people that sacrificed essentially, whether it be time or money to get me to where I am today. And I think it would have been an incredible disservice to be in a position that was financially lucrative, but not service oriented for me. And so I began to rethink what I wanted to do. And so at that point, I realized corporate work was not for me. I had no interest in making rich people more rich and I needed to rethink my path. And so I didn't know at that time, again, what it would mean to be a prosecutor or maybe a public defender, but I was definitely beginning to be more public service oriented. So in undergrad, you actually studied at Peking University. Was that virtual or did you actually study abroad in China? No, I went to Beijing. Wow. um, That was an incredible experience um, because of how it came about. I did not have a study abroad aspiration like some people do, but I, at the time I served as the student government association president for FISC. And so with that job, I was a member of the board of trustees. And so I got to get really close to the university president who at the time was designing a pilot program between Peking University and Fisk University. And a couple months before I was to leave to Beijing, he was like, do you want to go to Beijing? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Yeah, of course. So that's how that came about. And I mean, that was such an awesome, awesome experience. Wow. Okay. Did it teach you a lot about the way that different governments interact? Or did you learn a lot about yourself being a Black woman and being in Beijing? Oh, that's a good question. That's both. I took a course in global politics. So I didn't really get to learn a lot specifically about the Chinese government. Okay. More so, it was just the global interaction between different countries. And so that was great. And also being able to connect with students from different countries, and I still have those connections to this day, um, is invaluable. Um, But to your second question about being a Black woman in Beijing and China, I mean, that was an experience like no other. From Mm -hmm. the moment I stepped off the plane, I was constantly being stopped by the people there for pictures, and I had braids at the time. They were touching my hair <laughs> without asking. I oh, just gosh. felt like an attraction mm-hmm. for sure. And that's not what I'm used to here. So it was definitely an experience, but it didn't make it necessarily unpleasant, but it was definitely invasive. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. My niece actually is fluent in Mandarin and oh. she's been to Beijing all the time and she's like when people would come up to her take pictures they're like are you Tyra Banks and she's like yep I sure am are you Beyonce yep <laughs> she's like that eating up funny. all the attention <laughs> yes I mean yeah I I should have done that <laughs> <laughs> next time you go <laughs> yeah so at Fisk you study political science and government what did mm-hmm. you want to do with that when you were in college? Like, did you have an idea what you wanted your career to be? Yeah. So in college, I pretty much knew 
by then I wanted to become an attorney. I did not know what type of attorney. So mm -hmm. I thought maybe it could be in government, maybe it could be in corporations. I had interned at a lot of government entities in Nashville. I worked for the governor, I worked for judges, I worked for legislators, and I liked them all. I just didn't know where I would fit the most. And I still didn't know until about the second year of law school that I wanted to become a prosecutor. Was that when you took that critical race theory course? Yes. Okay. Yes. That opened my eyes to a lot. So what was it about that course? Was that an elective or something that they have everyone take? No, they should have everyone take it, but it, <laughs> it is an elective. And basically there is a whole scholarship of work, you know, about critical race theory. And it basically just breaks down our laws in this country and how they were enforced and why they were enforced and provides the very much, you can say, collateral consequences of mm -hmm. these laws. And these collateral consequences have disproportionate effects on communities of color. Yeah. In order for us to reach a better equitable society, we have to think of things in terms of race. We have to be critical about the ways that we talk and discuss race because everything has effects on race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. So when you were 1L, you would have taken your standard criminal law type course. And of course, you would have taken a civil procedure. Yes. So then as a 2L, was that when you got into criminal procedure? Was this while you were taking the critical race theory course or yes. alongside it? Okay. So first year of law school, yeah. So I did all my standard. Mm -hmm. And then second year is when I was allowed to take more electives. And I first took not even the critical race theory I took that towards the last semester of 2L year, but the first semester, I believe I took a, like a criminal defense centered class and it was full of like aspiring public defenders. And so that was the culture in which I was being informed in, which I appreciate now as a prosecutor because I'm able to understand both sides. Yeah. So you are a first generation college student. And of course you've exceeded that by now being a law school graduate and a licensed attorney. Would you encourage your friends and family to attend law school? I think if they have a passion for it, certainly. Okay. But I think that a big misunderstanding of people that desire to make change in our government policies or laws is that law school is the only path. It is not. School of Public Policy, I mean, look at our grassroots organizations. Not every one of those people have degrees. You know, mm -hmm. I am a big advocate for passing the mic to people that have those very raw experiences in our communities that are under-resourced and undervalued. Those are the people, degree or not, that have the best yeah. experience and, in my opinion, are the most credible, right? To me, that is the future of our country, not those that have the initials behind their last name because we decided to go to law school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think if your passion is to go to law school and go through the three-year rigorous program, absolutely, there are benefits to it. I'm a proud member of the bar, um, but it is not the only way. Yeah. And I love that people are starting to realize that you can advocate for something just because you're passionate about it, not because you went to law school. Yeah. I am not better than anybody because mm -hmm. I went to law school. Yeah. You might have a little more formal education, maybe a little bit more debt but not better than okay. anyone. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. You'll have more debt. You'll have more maybe eloquent language to <laughs> things, but I mean, who cares? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
let's talk more about the spark. Mm -hmm. Did you feel a spark when you were interning at the Travis County DA's office? Did you feel it when you were at the Harris County's office where you are now? I felt the spark when I was at the Travis County District Attorney's office and I was helping a felony prosecutor in a child rape case. And I worked very intensely on this case, got very involved with the family and the victim. Mm -hmm. And ultimately we were able to get a conviction, but that was not necessarily the win for me. The win was at the end, I got to interact with the victim And she said that she wanted to, because she was around 17 at the time. And so she was heading off to college. And she said, you know, after this experience, I want to become an attorney. So she now, I think she's about to wrap up college. Okay. Wrap up college at this time. And, you know, hopefully she plans to go to law school and finish that goal of hers. To me, that's the win, right? Of like going through the criminal legal system as harsh as it is, and not let it break you, but let it propel you into something greater. That is the win for me, not a conviction. And that's when I begin to feel the spark of the criminal legal system. Yeah, I love that. So is that where you also realized that you wanted to mentor pre-law students? Yes. So it was around that time that I got connected with an undergraduate organization on the UT campus that was looking for mentors, specifically Black women, to mentor other Black women that were interested in the legal profession. Mm -hmm. And so I got involved in that. And one of my mentees is actually at UT now, and she is graduating next year. So it's good to see the actual fruits of mentorship pay off because we need more Black women in this profession, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So a big push of last year was diploma privilege and students being allowed to practice even though they didn't take their bar exam due to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would have enjoyed having a lot longer time to study for the bar versus the standard two months? I would have, of course, enjoyed the time, but I have to answer that with putting that in proper context, right? Because Mm -hmm. you give these law school graduates more time to study, but you're not giving them financial footing, right? So I realized that I have a lot of privilege When I say I would enjoy more time because I have a family that can support me through that time, but that's not the reality for everybody. It's great that students are getting more time, but it would be even greater and even more equitable if bar associations can step up and provide financial provision to students that are not as privileged. We Mm -hmm. are a very privileged, elitist profession. And sometimes we get blind to the very reality that you have a lot of first generation or financially impoverished law school graduates that are just trying to make it every month. So Yeah, that's true. And they didn't say, hey, you have five months. They said you have two. Oh, never mind. Let's add a month. Let's add a month. Let's add a month. And that stress, I would have lost my hair. (laughs) I would have lost it. It would have fell out. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So did you ever consider taking the Tennessee bar exam or did you know that you were pretty much set you were going to stay in Texas? I was about 75% sure, but there was still a large part of me that wanted to go back to Tennessee or actually go to Atlanta. I spent a lot of time in Atlanta because I have family there. Nashville because I had built such a community there. Yeah. And it was easy and comfortable for me. And I'm a woman of faith. And so when I began to talk to myself and talk to God about how easy and comfortable Nashville would be. 
you know, God said, that's exactly why you're not going because there's no growth <laughs> there, right? <Okay. laughs> there's no growth in, in easy and comfortable places. Wow. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to share with the audience about attending law school, being a district attorney, anything? I would say to aspiring law school students to definitely make sure that you accomplish your dreams and goals. The law school can be a very intimidating place, full of people with privilege, full of people that do not necessarily look like you or have your same values, but it is a space that is for you. In fact, I think that the change that our community needs, mandates you to make sure that you accomplish your dreams. It is your responsibility. And so mm-hmm. don't take that lightly. And I think to lawyers, I would say across all spaces, corporate lawyers, public service lawyers, keep doing the work, keep doing the hard, necessary work. And we're going to see the fruits of our labor. I'm excited about the future of this profession for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brianna. Thank you. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. While you are here, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and tell a friend about this episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. Bye.